Well, good morning. Good to be here again this morning. Uh, if you can take me out of a little bit of my swirling sounds here would really help. So, so I'm going to bring a very simple message this morning. Um, really, it could be summed up in one word. That one word is on that slide behind me that says caring. And uh, I was taught, ooh, I don't want to tell you how many years ago, I guess about 55 years ago uh, in Bible college, how to put a sermon together. So one of the things they said is when you get up to speak, tell the people what you're going to tell them, then go ahead and, and tell them, and then tell them what you told them, and hopefully they'll get it, okay? So we're going to start with what I'm going to talk about, caring. We'll talk a little bit about caring, and then I will sum up my entire message in six words. I remember uh, years ago, uh, got together with one of my pastor friends in the, in the middle of the week. I think it was Monday. And so we're talking, and he goes, so John, what you preach about yesterday? I was totally blank. I didn't have a clue. And I know that sometimes that happens, and you can come, and you can sit at the church, and you're there, and you're awake, and you're alert, and you think you're part of it, and then you go home, and somebody says, well, what they talk about in church this morning? And it's like, I don't know. So I'm going to help you this morning. You've got the subject, and at the end of the message, I'm going to, in six words, tell you what I told you so that I know you got it, Okay. So let's uh, start this morning with this uh, talking about caring, and over in 1 John chapter 4, really we have the, uh, what, what this is all about. When John says, beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Now, there's three simple truths in that one verse. First of all, God is love, and we would all agree God is love. Secondly, God loves us. Sometimes that's a little harder to uh, internalize and get a hold of, but every last one of us here this morning, God loves us. And then number three, we are to love each other. Now, it's interesting, in this passage, John uses two forms of the Greek word for selfless, uh, pure love. You're, you're familiar with the word agape, okay? That is, that is God's love, but he uses it two ways. He uses the noun form, love is something, it is agape, and he also uses it as a verb. I'm not sure I can pronounce it, agapao, okay, see, I know a little bit of Greek, two words anyway. And it's interesting, if, if you do a word study, you'll find that this word for divine love is used 117 times in the New Testament, but it is used as a verb 142 times. So we know that God is love, and that's important, but what is even more important is what we do with it, and that is to love one another. Now, here's the question. 
What does this kind of love look like? Did you ever try to picture love? If I were to picture love this morning, well, most of us, maybe we'd draw a heart. Okay, we know Valentine's Day heart. We could, you know. But what does love really look like? And the truth is, love can only be seen through the actions it prompts. I can say that I love you, but you're not going to really feel that I love you, believe that I love you, till I put action into my words, and then you can begin to see what that love looks like. So John goes on to say, this is how we have discovered love's reality. Jesus sacrificed his life for us. Because of this great love, we should be willing to lay down our lives for one another. Whoa, now it comes real close, doesn't it? Jesus died for us. Do we have to die for each other? Well, in a, a sense, it's not so much uh, of dying for each other, but it is a sense of dying to myself. Paul talks about this when he says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, but what? Not I, but Christ lives in me. And I would say Christ not only lives in us, but Christ lives through us. And so John goes on to say, if anyone sees a fellow believer in need and has the means to help him, yet shows no pity and closes his heart against him, how is it even possible that God's love lives in him? So that's pretty, that's pretty close, isn't it? That gets right down to, to where we are, are living. And so what we're really talking about this morning are ways that we can demonstrate by our actions the love of God. And that is seen very clearly, I don't think, as we begin to look into uh, the 32. I did a study on the 32. It's actually 33. I found another. So the 33 facets of love that are seen in the one another passages of the New Testament. The New Testament says, yes, we are to love one another, but it also says we are to serve one another. And you can go on down there, and, and we're to receive one another, okay? We're to forgive one another. There's 33 of these one another's in the Bible that begin to show us what love looks like. So the one we're looking at this morning is 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And there Paul writes, Just as the human body is one, though it has many parts, that together form one body, so too is Christ. For by one Spirit we were all immersed and mingled into one single body. What body are we talking about? The body of Christ. That's you and I. And Paul is uh, giving the example, well, your human body's got a lot of different parts to it. So does the body of Christ. But now if you go down to verse 25, he shows us why he did this. Listen, he has done this intentionally so that every member would look after the others with mutual concern or the NIV reads that the members should have the same care for one another. So what I want to look at this morning, and it's real simple, three ways that you can care. Love in the name of Christ. We're caring for people. 
Okay, the goal is what? Transformed hearts, transformed lives, transformed communities. And if I were to challenge you this morning, I want you to go out there in the name of Jesus, and I want you to transform Palm Bay, transform uh, Melbourne, transform Vieira, wherever you come from, and you're going to walk out of here and you're going to say, how? That's, that's, a, that's a big task, isn't it? Well, I'm going to tell you how you can be a part of that transforming this morning as we begin to look at three ways to care. Okay? Three ways to care. Number one, uh, you can bring it up there, we are to comfort one another. Paul says in 2 Corinthians, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort who comforts us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. In that one simple verse, he uses the word comfort or comforted five times. That word comfort uh, comes from the Greek word, and I'll tell you this because you'll kind of recognize it, parakalesis, which kind of sounds like what? Paraclete, okay. Uh, who's the paraclete? Holy Spirit, the comforter. Okay, we've got that. So the word comfort means to soothe. It means to console. Um, it, it means to come alongside uh, and to reassure. And so Jesus spoke about the, the comforter who was going to come. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It's expedient for you that I go away, for if I go not away, the comforter will not come unto you, but if I depart, I will send him unto you. And so just as the Holy Spirit has come alongside of us, God calls us to come alongside of those who need comfort. We are called to be the body of Christ. His hands, his feet, his words, his presence. Do you ever hear somebody pray when, when, when they know that somebody is sick and hurting? And maybe I'll just say that, you know, the name is George. And, and, and you know, we, we're, we're in prayer and we're real serious. We realize, Lord, I'm just asking you, would you minister to George? We're asking you to comfort him. God, put your arms around him and let him feel his love. Who's the arms of God? You see, you can pray, but... We are the hands and the feet of Jesus. Go back, for, for me, going back many years. This was about 1996 or 7. Okay, difficult period in my life. And I remember one morning I was, I was uh, driving over to church. I had stepped out of ministry for three years, and uh, I was actually driving over to the Tabernacle Church. And if any of you remember what the tabernacle was like, it had very, very uncomfortable, hard metal chairs, okay? Um, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't a comfortable, nice place like we have here. I'd worked all week. I was tired. I was worn out, been working out in the sun, painting houses. And I'm driving over to church, and I'm having a conversation with myself. I do that once in a while. Sometimes you just want some intelligent conversation. So <laughs> anyway, so I'm having this conversation. What, what am I doing this for? And it's like, 
Certainly not because the place is comfortable, because it's not. Well, they've, they've got good worship, but I can get that at home. I can plug in a CD. I can get good worship. Well, they've got good preaching, but I can get that on, on the line. Uh, I really don't need to go to church for, for, for good preaching. Some of you people who might be listening online this morning, I hope that's because you're not able to get here, not just because you like to go to church in your pajamas. But I'm on my way over to um, church. What am I doing this for? And I realized, I know. I am going to walk through those doors. I'm going to enter that worship center. And there are people who are going to greet me. They're going to throw their arms around me. They're going to give me a hug. They're going to let me know that I am loved. I am going to feel welcomed. And, and you say, well, those are good reasons to go to church. I can't think of any better. Okay? And so I, I realize that, you know, we can have a ministry of, of, of comfort. And not just comfort, but, but along with this comfort and encouragement. Because Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 5.11, Therefore, encourage one another. You ever feel like you might need a little bit of courage? Hmm? I'm looking at this little guy. And you know what? In the, in the heart and soul of, of every little guy, the, there's a desire to be a, a superhero. Don't we all desire that? I'll tell you a little story about Ezra. Most of you know Ezra. If you weren't sure who Ezra, he was over here on the electric guitar. He's my grandson, one of many. Uh, he's sitting over there holding his baby sister. Ezra was about five years of age. And uh, this is when Laura and Jeremiah were missionaries to um, Israel. And they'd come home on, on furlough. And so during that period of time they were home, they were having some kind of a party in the house they were staying in. And a whole bunch of us were there. And I heard a whole lot of ruckus coming out of the bedroom. And I thought, well, I'll just peek in the door and see what's going on. And as I walked into the bedroom, here was Ezra dressed up in his super uh, person uh, costume. I don't know, Mr. America, whoever it was. I don't have all these names right. I'm not up on all this stuff, okay? The Marvel stuff, I, I know it exists. Um, anyway, he was one of these superheroes, okay? And he's dressed in his costume, and he's got his cape. And he's standing on the very foot end of the bed. And across from him is a closet in which there's a chair and a box and something else. All this stuff is piled up, and as I walk in the room, he's about to take a flying leap. And I go, Ezra, be careful! And Ezra goes, God will take care of me! <laughs> and he takes this flying leap! And God took care of him. Okay? <laughs> there's something in the heart that we want to succeed in life. That's what I'm talking about. Everybody down inside, you want to succeed in life. You want to feel like you're, you're, you're making it. And sometimes all you really need is a little bit of encouragement. You got the next slide? What a difference it can make in the heart of an individual with just a little encouragement. Paul says encourage each other. That Greek word, it's interesting. Here it is again, parakaleo, okay? It is the work of the Holy Spirit to inspire with courage, to strengthen, to give support, to build confidence 
or hope, and it can make all the difference in the world until a person can begin to stand tall and feel like, yeah, I'm going to make it in life. I can do this. I can move forward. I think that's one of the most exciting things I have seen in the life curricula, the change in some people who are realizing what we can really, yeah, we can change. We can do better. We can move forward. And, and it's exciting to see that change where on the inside they begin to feel like, yeah, I can really make it. I can be a superhero in my own realm. I could think it was about... Well, I'll be 74, so I guess that would be 54 years ago. I was about 20, 20 years old. I was the associate pastor. My uncle was the senior pastor. It was a country church um, out in Minerva, Ohio. Um, my uncle was in conference ministry. He used to travel in the summertime quite a bit, and when he was gone, I, I, was, I was up. I, I, I was the pastor in charge. 20 years old. Um, I, could, I could bring a message, but I didn't know much else about pastoring. One of the uh, charter members of the church, uh, his name was Charles Willett, uh, elderly man, was in the hospital, and he was dying. And um, the family members, he was old enough to be my grandfather, and the family members were all old enough to be my parents. And I get word that Charles is in the hospital He's going to die at any time, and I'm thinking, okay, I'm the pastor in charge. I need to go to the hospital. I didn't have a clue what I was going to do when I got there. I didn't have a clue what to say. Uh, I was very, very intimidated by the whole scene. Um, uh, Charles Willett was kind of a stern, uh, elderly man, didn't have much to say, and when he did, it was never with a smile. And then there were all the, these people that were my, my seniors and I go in there, and I'm supposed to be the pastor, and I'm supposed to minister. And I go in the room, and I'm just standing there, and I don't know what to say. And they're, they're, they're all talking. They're doing things. They've been in the hospital all day. They are absolutely tired. They're exhausted. They don't want to leave Grandpa alone. And finally, I walked over to one of the sons, and I said, You know what? If you all like to go home, I'll spend the night. And if anything changes... I'll call you. Thank you. And so they all filed out, and I sat there throughout the hours of the night. I didn't say anything, didn't do anything. Maybe I prayed. I don't remember. 5.30 in the morning, the doctor came in, took Grandpa's vitals, looked at me, asked me who I was. I told him he's, what I was doing in there. He says, well, then you better call the family. Uh, it's time. And so I called. Family came in. By 6, 7 o'clock, they're all gathered around the bed. About 9 o'clock, uh, Grandpa passed away, uh, and everybody did what they did, and they all left, and I was the last one to leave that room. I was so defeated. I mean, totally, totally defeated. It's like I didn't do anything right. I didn't know what to say. I didn't know how to help anybody. Uh, I just really, really blew it. Two nights later, now it's calling hours. And I'm like, okay, I, I guess I better go. And so I go and I, I walk into the room. And as I walk into the room, one of the family members, 
that had been there throughout the night sees the and goes, oh, John, we're so glad you're here. I want to introduce you to some people. She's taking me around, introducing me as Pastor John. He was so wonderful. This man was so amazing. He was there, and, and she's just bragging on everybody, and I'm thinking, I didn't do anything. What are you talking about? And then it dawned on me, I, I did the only thing I could do. I showed up. And I would say that if you want to care for people, number one, just show up. You don't realize, I think, the, the, the power of your presence. You say, well, I'm not very powerful. I didn't feel very powerful, but what I came to realize is that when I show up, the Holy Spirit shows up. Why? Because He lives within me. Paul said, for by one spirit we were all immersed and mingled into one single body. And no matter our status, we are all privileged to drink deeply of the same Holy Spirit. First John says, But you have an anointing from the Holy One. The anointing which you have received from Him abides in you. And I say the most powerful thing sometimes you can do is simply be there, simply show up. It's powerful. Let me tell you one more story. I'll try to be quick. Dan Walker, uh, a lot of you know Dan. He was our former executive director uh, living in Atlanta now, he and his wife Joanne and their family. Uh, but going back, um, well, it would be 11 years in October, uh, I'd thrown a surprise birthday party for Candy. And at the end of the evening when we're, we're cleaning up and I'm kind of moving hurriedly across the kitchen floor, I had on a pair of, um, what do you call those things? Crocs, okay? Those things are, can be dangerous. And I'm going across the room in my Crocs and the one, somehow it acted like a break. I'm not sure what happened, but I went, lost my balance. I stopped short and I've come crashing down. There's nothing to catch myself on. My full weight landed right here, and I broke the femur, okay? It snapped the ball right off the femur. And the most excruciating pain I've ever experienced in my life, I had a hellish night in the emergency room. Finally, by morning, they wheel me into a room. Okay, you're going to have to have surgery. We've got a, a, a guy who specializes in sports medicine, and they're telling me they're going to have to, you know, pin this and whatever they were going to do to put it back together. I don't remember a whole lot. There's only two things I remember. Number one, I was in tremendous pain. Even with the pain medications, the least little movement was excruciating. And I find out that surgery is not going to be till sometime in the afternoon. Candy had to go somewhere. I don't remember. Something came up. She had to leave for a while. Dan Walker showed up. Bless his heart. He didn't try to talk. He didn't try to have a conversation. He just showed up, sat down, and he was there. And through the next four or five hours, while I'm waiting for surgery, he was just there. 
And there's something about the presence of a godly person that God is with them, and somehow just having him there, it it brought comfort. I'm not alone. And then Candy got back when she could, all right? And and then I was taken off the surgery, and Dan stayed with Candy until I came through the surgery. What I'm saying is there's so much you can do just to, just to show up and, and don't worry about the details. God will show you. And if you want to be involved in other areas of ministry with Love, Inc., I would say just come on, just show up, and we'll pray together. Um, Kelly Lana, our, our volunteer uh, coordinator, um, she'll, she'll help you. She'll find a way. We will find something that you can do if you're just willing to show up. So that's the first two of the six words, show up. Secondly, we have the ministry of edifying. Did I say that? No, I didn't. Okay, we're there. There, Where are we? We're edifying. Okay. Um, Edifying. Edifying, uh, it's kind of a word we don't use a whole lot today. Uh, The NIV says, uh, build each other up just as, in fact, you are doing, okay? The, the, the word to build up, the, the Greek word, and it's not one I wouldn't even try to pronounce, but, but it carries the idea of, of building a house, erecting a building to build up from the foundation or to restore by rebuilding and repairing. And see, that's a lot of what we get to do at Love, Inc. We, people come to us many times, and they are broken, and they are, they are hurting, and, and life has been difficult. But what a, what a wonderful thing when we can come alongside and be a part of that process of rebuilding a life, restoring a life. It carries the idea of promoting spiritual growth and development. Uh, and they tell me here that it suggests, this word build up, suggests spiritual progress as the result of patient labor. Working with people takes time. Transformation takes time. I, I, I wish, I wish that we could just bring people up to the altar, lay hands on them, pray a simple prayer, be transformed in the name of Jesus and the work would be done. It doesn't work that way. It can begin that way. Transformation may start with an event, but it is a process. Romans chapter 12, verse 2 makes that very clear. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Okay, it is a, a process, and we get to be a part of that process. Build each other up. One of the ways we do that is to instruct each other. Romans chapter 5, verses 13 and 14. This, this, is a great, this is a great two verses. You want to get this. Paul says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. I myself am convinced, my brothers and sisters, that you yourselves, are full of goodness, filled with knowledge, and competent to instruct each other. Three things in that verse. Number one is the matter of ministering out of the overflow. 
May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so you may overflow by hope with the Holy Spirit. And I would say, if you want to minister to people, you can't, you can't minister to them what you're not walking in. And, and you, can't, you can't work with hurting people very long in your own strength. You will burn out. But we are promised what? The, the anointing, the flow of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, I've come to give you everything in abundance, more than you expect, life in its fullness until you overflow. And we can walk in that overflow. We can walk in the fullness of the Spirit. And so that's Paul's prayer here. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him until you overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. I can't, I can't instill hope in you if I don't have that hope myself. But then Paul goes on to say, and, and, and these, these, these two words, and they're great words. He said, I am convinced, my brothers and sisters, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with knowledge, and competent to instruct each other. You know, sometimes we think that this matter of ministering to people and helping people, it takes somebody who's been trained. It takes somebody who has great knowledge. Uh, you know, go, go to Bible college, get yourself a degree. This word, competent. Here's another one of those Greek words that you may recognize here. It's, uh, well, I won't say it. Is it printed up there? Okay. Well, you can say it. Okay. It starts with a D. Okay. Um, and, and it's very similar to the word for power in the book of Acts when it says you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. It's where we get the English word dynamite, okay? So Paul is basically saying, guys, guys, you are, you're, you're, you're like dynamite. You're able, you have the power, you have the ability they say that this word carries the idea of power, ability, resources, and permission. I love that. Paul says you are competent. You have the power, the resources. You have God's permission, okay, to do what? Instruct one another. And that word instruct is another great word, uh, and it carries the idea of the impartation of positive truth. And it's not a matter of, of taking your, your Bible, okay, and going out and, um, you know, well, starting to, to preach to people and just shove the Bible in their face, okay? Uh, there are some people, they do that, and they're, they're called Bible thumpers, okay? They kind of know the Scripture. They got a, they got a word for everything, but they, it's almost like they're, they're beating people over the head with the Bible, okay? That's not what we're talking about. We are talking about the ability, and I believe it is through relationship. This is so very important. You've got to understand that, that Love, Inc., we, we work through building relationships. A client comes to us, okay, and it's not just instantly, well, look at, let's look at your needs and let's check off the list here. One, two, three, four, five, six. There you go. God bless you. You're gone. No. We work with people six months, maybe up sometimes to six years, building a relationship where through this relationship we can begin to minister 
to them and impart to them the divine truth they need to enable them to begin to uh, walk out this, this matter of, of this process of transformation. Proverbs says, A word spoken in due season, how good it is. How delightful it is to say the right thing at the right time. Isaiah says, The sovereign Lord has given me a well-instructed tongue to know the word that sustains the weary. It's simply just sharing what you know, sharing the knowledge that God has given you in a natural way, imparting to them. Paul says, speaking to one another in psalms, in hymns, in spiritual songs, okay? And, and in so doing, as we are relating with one another, we are imparting truth. So the, the second point is real easy this morning, so speak up. Speak up. Your words, anointed by the Holy Spirit, are powerful. You can speak encouragement into people. You can speak life into people. Life and death, it's in the power of the tongue. You have the ability to go out this morning, find people who need to be encouraged, people who need to be strengthened, and realize my words, anointed by the Holy Spirit, have power, and I can be a life giver, I can be an encourager, and I can help people along the way. All right, you've got two-thirds of the message. Show up, speak up. Let's go a little bit further here and talk for a few minutes. Christy's already mentioned it, the ministry of prayer, because that's so very, very important. There's no greater thing you can do for Love, Inc. than on a regular basis pray for us. Pray for us. The mandate is in the book of James. I'm not going to unpack this whole verse. It's a whole message in and of itself, but just these words, pray for one another. Pray for one another. That is so very, very important. And if you would study James 5, and you see the context here, uh, and the illustration he uses is uh, the, uh, the prophet um, Elijah. When he prays uh, uh, for a drought, and he prays for rain, and he prays fire down from heaven, okay? That's the background to all of this. Uh, most of you know the stories, but, but I want to see three things that James shows us in this matter of this prayer, okay? Verse 16 says, The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Passion Translation says, Tremendous power is released through the passionate, heartfelt prayer of a godly believer. Three things about this prayer. Number one, it was powerful. It was a powerful prayer. Effective, fervent, means to put forth power, to be operative, to work uh, uh, effectually, to be successful in producing a desired result. It says here that he, Elijah, prayed and received supernatural answers. He actually shut the heavens over the land so there would be no rain for three years and a half. Then he prayed again, and the skies opened up over the land that rain came and produced the harvest. It was a powerful prayer. And you and I can pray powerful prayers. Paul says, now to him, to God, who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, okay, 
That has to do with, with, with praying and, and, and even imagining, okay, all that we could ask or think according to the power, where is that power that works in us? See, sometimes I think we miss that point, that power that works in us. Uh, Paul says, to this end I also labor, striving according to his working, which works in me mightily. It's a powerful prayer. And then I want us to see, and I'll go real quickly here, that it's a word-based prayer. And it came to pass after many days, the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year, saying, go present yourself to Ahab, and I will send rain on the earth. It was a, a scriptural prayer. Okay, um, when I was in school many years ago, I, I remember studying the Gospels there where Jesus says, um, ask and you shall receive, seek and you shall find, knock and it shall be opened unto you. Okay, and we were taught that those are our three modes of praying. Your simple praying, asking, dear Lord, would you bless this food to my body and, and, and help me to get strength to live for you. That, that's asking, okay. But if I'm a little more urgent, it might be seeking, and that's really getting down to business and praying. And if I'm really, really earnest, I begin to knock, okay? Three ways to pray. Then in the 80s, we learned some new things. And, and I remember when all of a sudden people started talking about binding and loosing. Y'all familiar with that? Some of you are. Okay, I bind this in the name of Jesus, and I, and I loose this in the name of Jesus. And it is a powerful way to pray, and it's in the Scripture. What you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. What you uh, release on earth will be released in heaven. And then I've noticed this is just within the last several years, less than 10 years, we have moved into declaring and decreeing. I'm not knocking it. It's powerful. It's in the Word. But whether you're asking, seeking, finding, binding or loosing, declaring or decreeing, the power is that it is consistent with the book. Okay? And when you get a word from the Lord, and you may get a prophetic word from the Lord. If it lines up with the book, go with it, okay? And we can pray powerful, effective prayers. We've got the, and, and just, and look at the man. This is so important, Elijah. Who, who was he? It says, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. Uh, the Passion Translation says, Elijah was a man with human frailties just like all of us. The Greek word is homeopathes. I practiced that one. Okay? Homeopathes. Greek word. It means just, just fallen nature just like all of us. Okay? We have our stuff. We have our issues. Many years ago, I, I started a series um, at our father's house. The last uh, Sunday of the month was always my Sunday to preach, and I, and I preached one service. I thought it was just going to be one message. It was a message on, on issues, issues. We all have them, okay? And I got done and, and, and started thinking about the next month, and I realized, you know what? There's some more to this issues thing, and I preached the second one on issues and the third and the fourth. I finally had preached uh, 13 messages on issues to where I got the nickname of the issues pastor. Larry used to say, 
If you got issues and you come to me, I'm going to tell you to get over it. And if you need more help than that, you better go talk to John because he's the, he's the issues pastor. But you see, we all have our issues, okay? We're, none, none of us are, 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 you know, none of us have arrived, okay? Um, in fact, this word issues, okay, uh, weaknesses is a word that's used there, human frailties. And, and, and Paul tells us, I believe it's in the book of um, Philippians, where he tells us that we are to tolerate the weaknesses, the issues in other people. It was, it's one of those one another's. I got to tolerate you. The Bible says that I do, okay? Even though you have issues, all right? And you have got to tolerate me even though I have issues, okay? I may be blind to them. That's God's business, but, but we tolerate each, we have our issues. And the thing that excites me here is that Elijah was, he had issues, he wasn't perfect. In fact, this mighty man of God that prays down fire from heaven in the next scene in the Word is sitting under a bush praying to die, asking God just to take his life. God, I'm done. It's over. Just kill me. Take me home to heaven. How did you go from here to here? He's just, he was human, okay? Paul and Barnabas in the healing of a cripple um, and it says here in Acts 14, And in Lystra, a certain man without strength in his feet was sitting, a cripple from his mother's womb, who had never walked. Paul, observing him intently and seeing that he had faith to be healed, said with a loud voice, Stand up straight on your feet. And he leaped, and he walked. Now notice the twofold response. The people look, and they go, Wow, the gods have come down to us in the likeness of men. Wow, this, this miracle working thing, they, they've got to be gods. And Paul and Barnabas stand up and say, whoa, no, 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 no. We are also men with the same nature as you, homeopathes, same word used for Elijah. We're made out of the same kind of mud that you're made out of. It's simply the power of God working through us. All true believers can pray powerful prayers which produce supernatural results. You can pray powerful prayers which produce supernatural results. Just pray. Just pray. Just pray up. Just get there and pray and believe that God will hear and answer your prayer. We have the privilege demonstrating to the world that we as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ really care. But sum this whole thing up in six words. Show up, speak up, I'll do it in five. Pray. God bless you. Thank you for the listening.